Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning and welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood, and our very special guest today is Barbara Burial. Good, good to see you, Barbara. Thank you, Kim. So today we're going to talk about something that I didn't think people did, and uh, and that's traveling with a family member with dementia. Am I crazy? So, and uh, so uh, I take it that you have traveled with a family member with dementia. Yes, in fact, a couple times, and it's you know I thought it was a great idea. And we took as my father who has dementia and he's had dementia for about seven years. My mother who passed recently in, in the way that sometimes the one who wasn't supposed to die dies first. Mm-hmm. Um, we had always gone since, since he, she was kind of at home with him and his disease we had always done a girl's trip. I have two younger sisters. We had taken mom to see Hamilton in New York. We had gone to Charleston. I'm a travel writer. So I'd had opportunities to do a lot of different things. And so two years ago, my mother said, I can't go without dad. And I was like, okay, we have to sort this now. And so we went to a place we thought he would recognize because he used to winter in Sanibel Island. And yeah, didn't recognize it at all. And uh, it was mostly, I would say, traveling with dementia is for the rest of the family to see each other. But you always have to take into consideration that there is a member of the family who really sometimes does not know what's going on, who needs extra care, um, who, um, who doesn't really want to be there. And for him, Sanibel Island, Florida could be Bay Village, Ohio. I kept asking, are we in Bay Village? And I was like, no, see the palm trees? Not in Ohio. Um, so it's, it, I probably would not suggest it, but if you're going to do it, there's a few things to, to take into consideration. So I guess that answers the first question. Is it a good idea to travel with somebody with dementia? And you're probably, after doing it a couple of times, you're probably, your first response maybe be no. (laughs) I think uh, if maybe car trips would be easier. We did do one car trip about five hours. And I did drive my parents to see my sister in North Carolina cars. Uh, tend to be a little bit easier um, simply because you can get off the road and go to the bathroom and there is the potential to, um, to for more activity, more seeing the sights. In a plane, you have to be careful. My father was an Air Force pilot, so he thinks he can fly the plane. <laughs> okay, it's been 50 or 60 years since you flew in the Air Force and you're flying a little bomber jets. These are massive commercial airliners. So he, you know, we have to make sure that it's a direct flight. He is, he, and the first mistake that 
was made. I wasn't on the plane, but they forgot to take things for him. My sister and my mother forgot to take things for him to look at. You need to have something that occupies the dementia patient. A lot of times they will read, but they will have no idea what they are reading. It, it, nothing sinks in, but it's an activity. It's a magazine. It's Sports Illustrated. And that's what um, we found was totally necessary for any kind of trip. You know, reading materials, uh, even if they were more photos than reading, that was probably the way to go. The um, the other thing is like you have to watch everything. My father had just gotten uh, new, very expensive hearing aids, and so he jumped off the plane. This is, of course, in COVID. Jump! I shouldn't say he jumped off the plane. It's dementia. You see saunters off the plane and um he immediately wanted to get rid of the mask because during covid if you have dementia you don't understand why someone wants you to put a mask on your face it is completely out of his wheelhouse it was strange for all of us but think if you're living in the 1950s and 60s it's totally i'm not a surgeon i'm a pilot you know i and then he whipped his um mask off and the hearing aids at seven thousand dollars went flying and my mother i get a text from my sister dad lost his hearing aids and mom had a heart attack i was like what you haven't even gotten to florida so she fortunately enough people were around that they scrambled and found his hearing aids but there's always something and it, it, like the the first time we went to Sanibel. I went as the advanced team and I was there day early. I had everything set up. I had sussed out the condo. I had shopped. I'd gotten everything ready. And the next year, about eight months later, we decided to go to this lovely resort called South Seas Resort. And that's on Captiva Island. And they had been so, I had stayed there the year before. My parents had been so, my mother, I should say, my mother and my family had been so entranced with the photos I showed them that that's where we decided to go. And it was absolutely lovely. But I, I had asked for a first floor, you know, two to three bedroom. We ended up on the fourth floor. My father was freaking. it, And on top of that, I had asked that we check in early because we have a dementia patient. Totally got lost in the translation. There are no notes about it. We had to burn three hours. And that's hard for, it's, it's hard for us who, and we know what's going on, but for someone who doesn't know what's going on and why he got dragged to this place who's on a plane and now he's in another place that's not his home and his dog's not there. That was the big thing. The dog, Arnold Palmer, is his little <laughs> shih tzu, and the dog's not there. So uh, it was just miserable waiting. Then we get into the unit, and it's high up, and he's like, I can't walk out to the beach, and we had to rearrange all that. It was just a lot of drama, drama that if you are, are have your complete faculties and you know what, what is going on, you're still frustrated. 
But what if you don't know what's going on and your world is very limited and you lose memory every eight to 15 seconds? It's very hard to understand. Why am I here? What am I doing here? Who is here? Who are you? You know, and we had decided after that, that we would not travel with my father anymore. It wasn't worth it. We would just uh, spend time together more close to home. So I guess my question is, would it have been easier if you had taken the dog? <laughs> yes, totally. I would always advocate taking the dog. I mean, I, I'm a big dog freak, so I try to take my dogs wherever I go. But in fact, I'm here in Ohio with my dog. And he has a dog, Arnold Palmer. I have a dog named Noel. He doesn't know who is who. He calls all of them Arnie. <laughs> and every morning my dad wakes up and he's like, we have two dogs. Yes, I've been here for a month. So um, it, it, there's always, you're always learning something. And the, you know, yes, the dog would have been advantageous. Unfortunately, I don't think in this area that we had chosen to go to, they had a lot of units that were dog friendly. And, um, you know, it's, and we also had, I would say, bring the dog. My younger sister would say no. So you don't, not everyone's on the same page. It helps to have more people spread the responsibility, but the decision-making sometimes gets a little hazy. Um, you know, we, the first year we were there, we went on a, boat um, to Cabbage Key, which is an island, a very tiny island. And there are dolphins everywhere. And it was fantastic. And we got there and we had such a great meal. And it was, it was just, it would, could, it would turn out to be the highlight of the trip. So I suggested we try another island, one called Yusepa. My sister said, we, no, we can't vary. We have to do the same thing. It turned out to be a disaster. There were no dolphins. <laughs> it was not dolphin time of year. There were not, I mean, before we had, you know, 50 dolphins. Now we had less than maybe one in the distance. And so the stuff that keeps a, a dementia patient entertained, what, that was not happening. And then when we were on the island, um, he had an accident. And I spent um, a good 20 minutes in the men's room with my father. So um, I would say another segment should be get to know the men's room if your father has dementia. Yeah. I think it would work the other way around to get to know the ladies room if your mother has it. But it was, I remember, and everyone was so understanding. They were like, you know, I was trying to explain to him what to do. He. The thing is keeping his dignity, keeping grace, keeping, you know, kind of humility. You can't get histrionic. You cannot get uh, emotional. You're just like, let's take care of this, you know? And I, and I went there so my mother wouldn't have to do it uh, because this was supposed to be a vacation for her. And, um, it was uh, it was memorable, not, not in all the best ways, though I still love the areas of Cabbage Key and uh, Captiva Island. 
the um you know the the drawback is just that it may we actually it may just be easier to sit by the beach or to sit to sit on the beach sit by the pool activities are not your friends sometimes when you have uh, a family member with dementia because they don't they don't necessarily want to do anything they will sit by the pool and talk about where's their dog you know or you know um is this bay village is this ohio um you know that that memory get that gets trapped uh, at a certain time in my father's case it, it his memory kind of stops in his 20s so everything else after it doesn't matter for back in sanibel where he wintered for 20 years doesn't even register but yet it was funny when i got here to take care of him he, he thought this was sanibel so you never know what was you know what's going on in the mind but you have to be very patient i mean the patience i'm not a patient person and i think maybe i'm a i am the most patient person i know i'm like you know it, it's it you just have to be and the repetition the talking loudly the talking like you are what's it called articulation you know it's it's all part of being around a dementia patient oh he's coming up behind me um so, so i'll ask you really quick um what kind of things should you if you have to travel and uh we've said that hi uh if you have to travel what kind of things do the hotels resorts want to know i mean what would you want them to know to, to make it more successful you know it's weird because it's like it's not like an ada thing you know if you if um there's always this murky thing with dementia. Even when you deal with long-term care insurance, they want you to have certain disabilities, incontinence, inability to transfer, inability to bathe yourself, stuff like that. But the thing that is the, the brain is kind of the thing that is not really known as a, you know, as a solid uh, disability, you know? So they don't really have guidelines at hotels. But I would say like any older person, you should have, you know, you should make sure there's bars, you know, grab bars in the bathrooms. You should make sure that you're on a lower level because you know that um, I, that, I'm so sorry. Um, and you're on a lower level, you don't want that. You know that dementia patients wander and they wander during the day and they wander during the night and being on a lower level is safer. We also brought bells to stick on all the doors. Uh, so um, dad, do not turn off the lights, please. Um, okay, leave them on, please. So now you're getting a little slice of my world. Dad, <laughs> dad, can you turn the, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, um, so, you know, you need to talk to the hotel about it. And I would also suggest the family is really responsible for, you don't leave a dementia member 
alone, a dementia uh, family member alone. You must be with them. You can't just have them wandering around a resort, even though you should let the hotel or resort or in know that there's this issue. So if by chance he escapes, he wanders, you know, I went to get my haircut one day, called the police. My father cannot call my phone number, but he can call the police. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the police walked right into the house and saw the little post-it note with my phone number. And they were like, do you know this gentleman? I was like, yes. Uh, this is the, you know, you just, you just have to live and learn and be as cautious as you can along the way. And don't lose your sense of humor. I honestly, I think I'm, I'm creating a, a comedy routine from this because it is, it is as frustrating as it is. It is funny. In fact, my dad, my dad went out to happy hour with one of his friends and one of my friends was there and my mother has been dead three and a half months. And he tells my friend that he's available. And I almost fell off my bar stool. So it, it's just, you, it just is, it's always something, always um, frustrating, sometimes funny, sometimes scary. A lot of, there's a lot of scaring, but, and that's why traveling is, um, is a challenge because it's an unknown. We don't know what to expect there. Even if we'd been to this area, you know, 20 times, we knew the restaurants, we knew where to go. We didn't know what the reaction of my father would be. And sometimes it was fun. And sometimes he was angry. Sometimes, I mean, all the time he was confused. And um, I just think I would, with traveling with dementia, I would weigh the pros and cons. I would bring the dog. I would make sure I'm on the, the bottom floor. I would make sure that I have plenty of reading material and all of his meds and, uh, you know, just know the channels that he wants to watch on TV. And remember on TV, his attention spans only about 20 minutes, you know? So, you know, it's just, um, I just wanted to thank you for being on the show today. Cause it's, you know, your experience is uh, very educational and very eye opening for, you know, for our listeners. And so, and if somebody wants to reach out to you, how do they do that? Here, but down below, I'm so glad you put that there because I'm, you know, hey, I'm with my dad now. I have plenty of time to talk and answer emails, you know. I <laughs> please reach out. <laughs> so, um, and I also am a travel and wine writer, and I've made a few films, so you'll see those. Um, I've not done a film on dementia, but I kind of feel the more we talk about it, the more we, I don't know, I don't know if we really ever understand it, but we. Need, we get tools that we can use, you know, like just as an example, uh, my father had a slight mini stroke the other day and we realized we didn't have a DNR in place. And if he has a major stroke, um, I don't think he'd want to live in that, in that manner being um, on assistance, you know, life support. So we got, we put a DNR in place today. And uh, so there's, Anyone can ask me anything. I think it is, you know, there's challenges with long-term care insurance. There's challenges with, you know, uh, his, like 
the friends of your father or mother wanting to be around them and then not wanting to be around them and not understanding. And, you know, and then there are some people who are so kind and so helpful um, that, that you just, you know, that you're not in it alone. And if anyone, anyone out there feels that they're like, ah, what do I do about this dementia or Alzheimer's? You can call me or, email me and um, I'll tell you the best wine to buy. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Always looking for, you know, a good cab, something, dry, <laughs> you know, so a little more drier, most definitely. Oh, I have a bunch of ideas for you. Definitely. You can email me lots of different things to try and I appreciate it immensely. And Barbara, you take care. Good. And care. you're in Texas? Yes, ma'am. I went to University of Texas. There you go. So my daughter. So the oldest daughter did as well. So. Oh, great. Great. Thank you. All right. Take care. Texas. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.